0: Nothing the screen has ever shown before can surpass the thrills
1: of... The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space... He- the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. <laughs> The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast.
2: Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and
0: Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in...
1: Visions from Monsterland. My name is Jerry, and welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. And joining me today to bring you these visions from Monsterlands, we have Donna Nelly, Screonk, everyone,
3: Derek B, Yo, yo, yo,
1: and Mr. Venom, Skullfuck, everyone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, and we are the only podcast who can sing to you the entire Jet Jaguar theme song. Punch punch punch. We are not covering Jet Jaguar in case that's what you thought we were going. You are wrong. We are tackling our first movie in the Hey Say Hi He Says area. Uh depending on how you pronounce things. Now I'm going to go to Don Don. How do you properly pronounce this? Hey Say. Okay. I've been on this drink and I'm feeling pretty Hey Shit, I could be a mumble rapper.
4: <laughs> it's not probably, hard. More ta- probably more talented
1: than half of them in the genre already. Yeah, I don't take enough drugs, unfortunately. But, speaking of that, we are doing Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, which is from 1991. And, uh, first thing I want to say is this is, like, the first movie since 70 something that Akira Fukube did the music for. Mhm. Yep. Uh, he had stepped away from the just, godzilla series for a long time yeah. but he is back now don you're a big uh, a fukube fan mm-hmm. i'm sure you have some kind of interesting tidbit to tell us uh yes indeed um he actually only came back from the score
4: after um, a prod from his daughter she uh said that they were just using his
1: music anyway why not just write the whole music the whole score and that's true, and he did mostly just use his own music anyway, so... Like, I yeah. I think I was reading the only new song he actually... Like, brand new, from-scratch song he created from this was the song where God, the Saurus is stomping over the American soldiers.
4: Yeah, that's uh, the only thing that's actually kind of a... Like, there's no, like, really familiar beats to it, because everything else is just repurposed marches or slowed down old um, stuff that he used to do. Yeah, which, if you, yeah which, to if be you, fair, yeah,
1: Iku, Fukube has always kind of reused his own music multiple, multiple times, so that's not exactly something new. Yeah. I'm saying, I mean, you know, like, for
4: instance, the fight between Ghidra and the fighter jets is actually the first appearance of Rodin from 1957, just re- reused completely you know, like the same recording is played over it, so it feels new because it was cut out of the American version.
1: But that song was actually Rodan's first appearance in the original. Wow, I know. I also read that some music from uh, King Kong versus Godzilla was used in this, also.
4: Yeah, um,
1: that mm, I believe that
4: may have been the um, appearance of Godzilla in Sapporo for that rampage. I'm not positive. I'd have to give. King Kong escapes another watch again but you know who doesn't want to watch that masterpiece one more time to find out
1: so not me oh yeah uh, <laughs> so now when i was doing my research for this movie i found something very interesting um the godzilla series has been known to come up as slightly controversial for being anti-american because, but it's not anti-Americans, anti-nuclear weapons. But it, for some reason, when people think nuclear weapons, they think American. Tied them in together. But this movie actually got a decent amount of backlash from America for being anti-American. There were news reports on it. You can you can go you can find news reports of people talking about how this movie is anti-American and how like I watched one where literally the footage they were using from the movie was someone with a camcorder recording it in a movie theater in Japan because Toho wouldn't give them the rights to use any of the footage.
2: Mm.
1: And they had like they would have people who like were talking about the movie and reviewing it. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotation marks with my fingers. Yeah. Where they clearly had not seen the movie and were just kind of reading off cue cards. But basically, yeah. it was said that the way the movie treated uh, um, Godzilla killing the American soldiers was anti-American, which I'm just like, so any movie that shows something killing American soldiers is anti-American? That doesn't fucking make sense at all.
4: Well, well, here's the thing. This is one of the few times in the series where... It's not fictional like this is actually reality like we, you know in the 1940s we were at war with Japan in the South Pacific. So it's t- you know it's actually taking an actual event that's known to history. Like this is like definitive proof that we there was definitive proof that we had engaged with them throughout the 40s. So mm-hmm. you know it's it's got a different tone than the rest of the series where you know aliens attacking or You know, it's like some giant beast comes out of the ocean and every, you know, world has to come together. Like, there's an actual historical relevancy to the scenes that they were depicting. And, you know, you have to show that because that's what happened. There's, you know, no way to get around changing that kind of a
1: history. Yeah. I just don't understand how an American was like, I'm super upset about this. How dare they show American soldiers being killed by a dinosaur? Like... If I as an American, I'm more offended at the way they treated uh, the family history of Steven Spielberg.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: also, yeah, so for... <laughs> the rank of major does not exist in the Navy. You should have been able to to know that. I don't know how you screwed that up, Toho. Come on now.
4: Well, okay. To be fair, the you know the Spielberg line does have some significance because. First of all, yes, Spielberg's dad was a soldier in the armed forces during World War II. However, he was in the army, not the navy, and he was stationed mm-hmm. in India, not the South Pacific. Not to mention, Spielberg was born in 1946. Definitive facts, so he would not have been a you know gleam in his mother's eye back in America during the summer of 1944 when America was at war with Japanese in the South Pacific. He was a gleam in his parents' eyes because he came home from the South Pacific and, you know, got a little randy.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: I still, like, hate the, like, it's just not, like, this movie is crammed full of references to American movies. And almost all of them are bad. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the movies they're referring to are bad, but just in general how they're done are really bad. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get into bad, now that we've ranted about Spielberg and anti American sentiment, let's talk our favorite things from this movie. We're going to kick it over to you, Mr. Venom. What is one of your favorite things from this movie?
0: Well, you guys already kind of glossed over it if a little bit. If you say
1: but... the Spielberg line, I'm kicking you off the show. <laughs> there will never be one line that'll be my favorite
0: thing out of a Godzilla movie. <laughs> But uh, anyway, um, I got to say, this soundtrack is great. This is by far my favorite soundtrack that I've heard. Obviously, you guys have watched more Godzilla movies than I have. I'm still catching up to you guys. But of the couple of dozen that I've seen, yeah, this one is amazing. And it's not just the action sequences. There's actually some really dark, somber music in scenes that aren't dark and somber. Like, they'll just be two guys having a conversation and you can listen to the music and it sounds like someone's about to die. And I just I absolutely love that. I mean, from beginning to end, this soundtrack is by far my favorite of uh, all the films I've seen so far.
1: Now, I got to ask, is this your first time seeing this movie?
0: No, no, okay. I definitely would have seen this um, probably a year or two after it hit uh, American shores. It hit um, us and
1: it didn't. Hit, it actually did not come out in America until 1998.
0: Okay, so I it, probably would have seen it 2000, 2001, somewhere yeah, in that it range. Came,
1: it came out, it, it was part of the slew of Godzilla movies we got in preparation to the 98 movie, movie uh, direct-to-video in North America. And this was one of them. It got its premiere straight to DVD or VHS.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: We move on to Derek. Derek, what is your favorite thing from this movie?
3: You know, for just the whole aspect of bringing back King Ghidorah, which we'll get into a little thing negative that I do have with King Ghidorah and a minute. But overall, I like the look of King Ghidorah in this one. And I like what happens to King Ghidorah in this one. It's very interesting. And it leads into another movie that we might talk about in the future.
1: Well, you, you, mean you have I... to do more of these up. I have to do more of this podcast.
3: What you do is your idea. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're stuck now. Yeah, but overall, I also like kind of it has like a similar like Godzilla vibe of like somebody comes and they're not what they seem to be. But I'm kind of interested that they didn't make it aliens in this one. And it looks like it's going to be aliens in the beginning. But I kind of did like that aspect of it, too. So overall, plus it has some one of the better Heisei fights, in my opinion, in this one, if that makes sense. Yeah, it all, but
1: okay. Oh, come on! Heisei is not known for its fights. Yeah, but we'll be it,
3: honest. Yeah, but there's some good shit that happens within the actual like when they well, face off.
1: We'll get we'll get to that and see what to say. But let's move on. Don, what was something you loved from this movie? Just the special effects in general. Um, you know, this is
4: one of my favorite Godzilla costumes. Just the amount of detail put into how lifelike he is, just, you know, I mean, across the board, he looks impressive. The size, the scale, you know, that thundering roar, those loud crashing footsteps, you know, the fact that he hit the gym and he, like, bolt his chest out tremendously. Just, he looks great, and I think just, you know, the special effects across the board from... The, you know, forest battle where their first encounter takes place to the, you know, tower set that they use for their final battle. You know, everything here just looks amazing. And just I think the special effects here shine tremendously.
1: Very interesting. This is going to be interesting as we go on. Uh, So my favorite thing from this movie is actually a certain scene. Uh, It's the death of Mr. Shindo. Uh, which the shot is done um, very much as a tribute to a scene that happens in the original Gojira, even so mm-hmm. much that when they do the shot looking at Godzilla, looking in, they kind of make the background look a little bit um, older, almost a gray to match the 54 scene. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's... Shindo's one of the... Well, we'll get into some aspects of that too, but I really like Shindo's performance. Uh, you know who that is, right? Please
1: enlighten us. Uh,
3: I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but uh, that's the actor who played uh, the head of the X aliens in Invasion of the Astro Monsters.
4: Oh, nice! Yeah, okay. Yoshio Tsuchiya. There yeah, we go. Yeah. You can always. And, him he was all, he,
3: and he was also the head alien in the Mysterions too. Ooh!
4: And he was the uh, guy that freaked out in uh, Son of Godzilla.
3: Yeah.
1: Doctor Otoni.
4: I can't wait. Doctor Otani movie. from uh, Destroy All Monsters.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah,
1: this movie actually has a very nice cast of of people from previous Godzilla movies. Uh, it also uses a lot of stuff from previous Godzilla movies, but we'll get into that next. Let's go into something we didn't like in this movie, and we are going to start with you, Don and Ellie. Okay, for me,
4: one of the biggest things. I'm not putting this out there as a complete flaw I'm just making a statement the first kaiju fight occurs 70 minutes into an hour into a 105 minute movie there just laying it out there
1: (laughs) it's a valid point
4: I'm not saying it's a complete wash or fail I'm just saying it takes us 70 minutes into a 105 minute film before we get our first kaiju fight not first kaiju sighting, but first kaiju fight.
1: I'm with you on that. I do think they, they prolonged it a lot. Um, Derek, what is something you didn't like?
3: Uh, just the fucking little cuddly door hats. They do Ugh. look weird. Like, they how are you like going to give a Chia pet fangs? They look like Eddie Munster from the Munsters. They have the same hairdo and everything.
1: Oh my god, they do. <laughs>
3: And I love you know, how Emmy
0: asks the girl, "Oh, did they scare you? No, you have three flying little fucking demons. No, they didn't scare
3: me. Thanks for <laughs> the warning, bitch." You know, and like, like just the whole aspect of they have like this Joker green hair. I'm like, how the fuck do yeah. those things turn into the King Ghidorah?
1: At no point do I look at King Ghidorah and go. Man, I bet he should have green hair. Like, they could have just done the golden hair like King Ghidorah used to have, but then they took off that hair for this too, because in the 90s, everyone had to start shaving. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Mr. Cortez, Mr. Venom, what is something you did not like in this movie? I absolutely hated
0: M-11's... "Quote unquote fast running scene." Oh my god, <laughs> me
1: too. Man. Oh
0: god, it's, it's like it's watching. like he had built-in rollerblades or something. It was just awful, and and the fact that they were trying to portray him as actually running, yet no part of his body is like bobbing or anything. He's just like at a standstill, but the background is going fast. That was just like, oh my God, uh, grade so school Terminator.
3: Especially <laughs> like when he's running outside during the World War Two scenes, and you just see him looking at people like, look, looking like he's fucking jogging and shit. I'm exactly. fucking dying laughing. So, funny
1: enough, M11 is one of those references to American movies I was talking about. He is very much based off of Terminator. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <really>. shit. <laughs> Not
4: well, very well, but. It happened. As if the scene of him walking out of the car crash with all those metal exoskeleton pieces exactly. burning off the... did give it away.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and as <laughs> for me, this is just something I'm just not a big fan of in general, and that's time travel. I don't really care for time travel movies because they almost always break their own rules. Almost yeah. always. They will tell you a rule that they have, and then they will go to break it, and nothing will happen because of it. It... Just does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Time travel. And the only reason there's time travel in this movie is because they thought that one of the reasons Godzilla versus Biollante didn't make enough money. You know besides the fact that they did they barely did anything to advertise it and they made a movie that is primarily for adults when Godzilla has been primarily for kids since the 70s. Uh, they thought it didn't do well because Back to the Future 2 was playing in Japanese cinemas when Godzilla vs. Biollante was. So they thought that the Japanese audience wanted time travel.
0: Uh. Hmm. Yeah. well, They probably wanted good time
1: travel. There you know? I, there's not a really... I, I can't think of anything that is good time travel.
3: You um, know, with the aspect of like... Time, if you take this as a standalone... I don't mind it, but... After you watch, like, the movies that come after it in some aspects because certain movies weren't supposed to happen, you know what I'm saying? And then
1: Oh, don't even get me started on fucking then, Godzilla timelines. It makes the Legend of Zelda timelines look simple.
3: Especially for the Heisei series because pretty much what ends up happening is the first two movies didn't happen. But then, well, like, yeah, what were well, you going to say, that
4: no, if you want to hear a theory, I can actually explain it, and the
1: it actually makes perfect sense. Well, you know there is an official Toho timeline out that actually explains everything. There are multiple timelines; these are all not the same. Like in this timeline that we're currently in, it goes Godzilla fifty-four, Godzilla eighty-five, Godzilla versus Biollante, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. That's it. No, I'm right. sorry, uh, uh, Godzilla. Fifty four destroy all monsters. Uh fuck. One of the early Kingodors is in this timeline, and I can't remember which one it is. I think it was Destroy All Monsters. Mm. But Don, what's yours? Okay, so my theory there's
4: two dinosaurs on Lagos Island. This is the place where the you know the creature attacks the soldiers. What I believe is They transported the dinosaur that was not the 54 Godzilla. They transported the other one. The 54 Godzilla is still there on the island. The one that they transported was the one that was the 55 to 75 Godzilla. When they moved it away from the island, they take that part of the creature out of the timeline and they they leave the 54 Godzilla there. So that's the one that still gets hit by the radiation, attacks Tokyo, and is killed by the oxygen destroyer now the one that they moved is the one that lands in the bering sea in the 1970s we never hear about this during that time because they had never traveled back to move it before so now this godzilla that they left is actually the one that they see in godzilla versus in uh, godzilla 1984. so that godzilla is the second godzilla that was supposed to have been the one that carried the rest of the Showa series they what they never what they ended up doing was not altering history. They ended up creating
1: history. This is why I hate time travel movies. Yep. Because even in like what you're saying, there's so many flaws in it. Like, and it's not your fault. You have a solid like stem there, but like, especially in something like this, a series where there's so many movies that are just constantly like reboots or direct sequels to just the first movie and forget everything else. Like, there's just no way to make it make sense. And the entire thing of this movie makes no... Like, you transported Godzilla from... Godzilla-saurus from Lagos Islands to a random part of the ocean, and it stayed there surviving for 50 years off of a nuclear sub, and then came back to life off of another nuclear sub. It never... No, it it only was
4: it trans they transported it to the Bering Sea it only <coughs> it was revived by the it was revived by the crash in the 70s
1: that- okay so it went it survived from 1944 to the 70s it's a Godzilla dude look no it's the- not a Godzilla it's a Godzillasaurus. right it's the same species though because mm, now that- well no because God no because you're talking about a mutation it's not exactly the same thing like it should once they dumped Saurus in the ocean it does not have like they no nowhere indicate that godzilla sores can breathe underwater so you can add that in if you want but the movie does not give you that my main but you're issue. also yeah. but you're
4: also you're also employing under the idea that it dies from its attacks you never know that I'm, it does. I no it
1: died from being underwater where it drowned to death but in you don't
4: 1944 know that. But I'm saying Whoa. that's another that's another you know, you're just supposing that it died by drowning.
1: How are you supposing it lived?
4: It was able to live underwater all along. Godzilla can
1: Godzilla's a mutation done by nuclear but Godzilla
4: the mutation is just the size and the
1: atomic breath. no, that's... it completely changed him. It's not just the size and the nuclear breath
4: no when you look at a Godzilla-saurus and you look at Godzilla, the fifty four Godzilla, there's enough similarities to say that there's. That's the same thing. The enhanced enhanced invulnerability, the breadth, the size, those would be, I would consider, mutations from the radiation.
1: I do not... Okay, the only reason I can't agree with you is because there's not a lot of examples, as far as I know in the dinosaur kingdom, of a dinosaur that lives on land and water. They were rather separated pretty well.
3: My major issue with it is... Pretty much when they get back and they say, talk to the guy, I say, yeah, Godzilla was race from history and shit. I'm like, well, yeah, but, Wait, nothing... but, but how the fuck would they know about Godzilla still and the rest of the plot of these people if he was erased by time? Thank because you. they're because bad with
1: they're... time travel movies? Because they're referring <laughs> to
4: the 70s. That's what they're referring to. They're referring to the second set. They're referring to the Showa series because that was the one they... that was removed. But, to... No. Wait, they, they never this...
1: refer to Godzilla, any previous. Talk... No. That's that is completely incorrect.
4: Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Wait, 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 wait. Derek, Derek, Derek. Here's what I'm saying. The Godzilla that they know is the one that they is the Showa Godzilla from the 70s. That's the one that was removed from history. That's why they say Godzilla's never existed. But But, they ended up allowing the timeline from 85 to Biolante
1: to to appear. Where? They switched histories. How do you get that it's the Godzilla from the 70s and not the Go- not 54 Godzilla? Where because do you where where does the movie give that to you?
4: Because Godzilla is still there. Mickey is still ha- Mickey still has her powers. We still have every everything Mi- still Mickey had powers
1: that have nothing to do with Godzilla. She's a telepath.
4: No, she's a psychic.
3: <laughs> it's about the same thing. It's
1: it's the same fucking thing.
4: No, telepath and psychic are not the same thing. Okay,
1: fine. If she's a psychic, how is that linked to Godzilla? Just because Godzilla's gone, she wouldn't have that power to be a psychic.
4: No, she, she psychic wouldn't be before. able to. Read. She was always a psychic. She was just able to read
1: Godzilla. Okay, but how? Where are you getting that there are two Godzillas? Because that doesn't make. Sense. That's not enough for me to say that because they never in there in this movie. They don't refer to a bunch of Godzillas. They only mentioned fifty four. Like, I feel like you're grabbing a bunch of stuff from other parts of this film franchise to make your statements, but that's not in this movie. I
4: don't know. Maybe I would have to rewatch it again. But I would. Uh, I've always said they removed the Showa series, and the new timeline they created is the Heisei one. They came back to the real, They came back to the reality with the Heisei line intact. They had actually been respond. They had actually created the Haze the Haze franchise. They had just never known about it because it had been a later point in time than those films were taking place in.
3: I don't know about that, man. yeah, i, I got I think if, you're but, stretching
1: no, if, super hard. Because, if the time, I it, always had
3: a problem if, with I'm like saying, the aspect of one film that we might talk about in the future. I'm not going to name it yet because I don't know how many of us seen it. But they mentioned how a certain monster was created and. One aspect, they said that Mothra created it, but then another aspect, it shouldn't have happened that way. Oh, yeah,
1: no, the the movie, the one where they give you three different explanations of how the monster was created in the movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's another
3: one where it's just really, Plus certain characters getting vendettas from that same movie that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, like, I just personally think, like, the problem with time travel movies is it makes people come up with these crazy theories of how it works, but just like with the time travel in the movie, it con- with it contradicting itself, most people's theories contradict themselves because they have to go outside of the movie to find other stuff to make it work, and it just never does. And that's... I'm not saying, like, fucking what Don's saying is wrong. To me it is, but it could perfectly be true. It, but my problem is, is it's always so convoluted and instead of just giving us a good story, they think they're going to impress us with time travel, and it never works.
4: And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing at all. I mean, you know, it's not a good thing, but, you know, who's to say that a convoluted story isn't the right answer? All I'm saying is that, you know, that could be the case. Maybe it's a simple one. Maybe it's a convoluted one, but, yeah, I know I totally agree with that.
1: Like, I just— yeah. I just have a hard time with time travel movies and why I can't get into them. And this is, and I love King Ghidorah. He, he is my favorite, uh, Kaiju. I do not like this movie. I can't, I've tried. I can't, I don't like time travel. I do. I think the costumes in this movie while look good, they do not film good. All of the costumes look very stiff. Um, I don't know, like, Godzilla looks better in this movie than it did in Biollante because much like Don said, they bulked up his chest, he grew to 100 meters, he looks just badass, he moves horrible. Um, with King Ghidorah, I don't know why they I can't totally agree main... with that,
3: man. <laughs> really? I can't agree. I love the fucking, the way Godzilla moves in this one. Like, that whole scene where he comes off the short... It's fucking epic, man.
1: I just think it, he moves so stiff. Like you can tell the guy's having problems moving in that suit.
4: And you see a lot of you see a lot more inserts of the puppet than you did previously. No,
3: no, King Ghidorah looks great too, man. And come on, no, we no, watch, no, no that's a downgrade. No, looks, no, no looks after, like after, after the last one we watched, Peter, fucking Gigan when he's fucking moving his wings and shit, and uh, no, man, Peter I can't, I, I looks, can't agree with you at all.
1: Okay, Gigan is is another example of a bad King Ghidorah, but if you look at King Ghidorah in Three-Headed Monster or Invasion, he looks amazing, he moves great. It's just in this I, movie his My personal favorite Mothra 3. Uh well, um, then we go yeah, into yeah. a completely we'll, we'll, different we'll, style we'll, of Ghidorah. The high legs? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's stick to natural just, Ghidorah. Um uh, but even they the way they changed his horns, taking them from being these nice like crescent moon shapes to just kind of a straight standard horn taken off his manes and they ruined his roar now he just has some regular generic roar instead of each head having its own roar slightly in a different octane I agree with that I don't like the roar like I like how Mecha King Ghidorah looks except for the weird fucking ankle bracelets
4: here's my (laughs) biggest issue with the Ghidorah thing why does three dra- Dorats produce a three-headed, two-winged, two-tailed dragon?
1: You know what? Because I, nuclear weapons. I like <laughs> with that one. I'm just gonna say, I don't know enough about how nuclear weapons uh, mor- morphs things. Like, yeah, it's ca- why didn't they just have one tiny Ghidorah that was like, you know, regular uh, cat size and it just changed because of nuclear? Why did you have to give us three green-haired? Uh, Jared Leto Jokers. I don't understand that.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm it's with you on that, Don. It does dude. not make sense. Uh, this movie doesn't fucking make sense. Um,
3: dude, dude, if we're, we're fucked in the future if we had to wear those fucking dress suits.
1: I don't know. I think I could pull it off. I think I Ian think oh, Cortez
3: will pull it off. I don't know, man. Derek, like,
1: you'll have to dress like M-11 and wear fucking cargo pants and orange shirt and a vest.
3: Dude, that one guy that looked like Larry from the Three Stooges with the <laughs> green suit <laughs> Okay, Shit, I'd,
0: I'd wear
1: that purple suit I don't care originally my complaint for the movie before I decided to just go ahead and tackle time travel was going to be costume design <laughs>
3: dude dude that guy with the purple sh- suit was freaking me out man because his eyes are kind of like cross-eyed when he's staring at you
0: yeah. there was a lot of lazy eyes in this movie did you yeah. guys notice that? Yeah. Yeah, at least 3-4 characters yep
1: and just for the audience who doesn't know, because I listened to a podcast recently who tackled this movie. Uh, I listened to it like two months ago or something. And they just they were talking so much shit on the American actors in this movie and how they can't act. And I'm like, but they never mentioned why. And it kind of bugged me because I was like, there is clearly a, like, you can literally Google and find out why. It's not hard. Much like uh, earlier Godzilla movies, uh, like uh, Godzilla versus Megalon, when they need a white actor, they don't hire a white actor. They just hire a white dude and that does not know how to act and then just use him because they don't think their audience will care. And their audience doesn't care. I was going to be for the Japanese audience. The Japanese audience does not care. Right. So unless that person is playing a main role because it's American co-produced, like Invasion of the Astro Monsters or War of the Gargantua or Godzilla vs. or I'm sorry. Frankenstein Conquers the World, no one cares. and So this was something they commonly did. So, for that podcast that I will leave unnamed, who apparently decided to do no research, even though you're a Godzilla podcast, they're not actors. That's why they're bad actors. <laughs> that would be like asking fucking Derek to just go, Derek, uh, we need someone to be a figure skater. Can you just go out there and do it for us? And then we're oh, going to yes, get really can. mad when you can't. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> like it like I just so I wanted to clarify that like there are things to complain about in this movie that is not one of them because that's just kind of something that happens in Japanese movies a lot yeah
4: and and to be fair because I've seen both cuts when they're speaking in Japanese in the original version they're not awful their Japanese is I would say tolerable it's the dub that makes them sound awful
1: yeah, this is not yeah. a, a this is not like a Nick Adams thing where Nick right. Adams talked in English and then they overdubbed him in Japanese. No. Right. Those people live in Japan and know how to talk Japanese. Yeah, in the in the in the original version
4: when they're speaking Japanese, they're tolerable. They're not awful, they're tolerable. And it's only when they got dubbed into English in the American version that it just highlights it more. I think that's what it, I think that's the best way is that it highlights it more because that's obviously not their voices.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into, let's go back to the suits. Um, Now, Derek, you, you like both the suit. Uh, I guess all three of the suits. Cause technically there's two Ghidorah suits. You like all three of the suits, right? Yeah. I love Meg.
3: Well, I'll agree with you about the roars and shit, but I don't mind. I like the new updated look for King Ghidorah because it makes sense that he's not like a, a space monster. He's kind of more organic made. So it kind of makes sense why he doesn't they, look the way but that they,
1: but they only changed like two things, his horns in that and they removed his hair.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's just he's more organic looking to me. Like it makes more sense the way that his origin is. I don't know. I, just, I, I guess just,
1: I guess that's true. Since most people who go to chemo lose their hair, I guess the Dorats would lose their hair.
4: <laughs> well, man-made or not, those things, those wings of his in the forest fight, those things are plastic as fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I, I that personally is,
4: that is not living tissue. Yeah, that I is,
1: definitely agree. Well, I will say this: it's always hard to make something that's winged look actually winged in movement. Yeah. That's just hard to do, yes. But I do think they do look worse in this movie than they do in certain other movies. I just in general, I don't think any of the costumes move right. Um, but Jerry, we not me, Jerry, but Mr. Cortez, Jerry, we haven't really heard from you. What are your thoughts on the suits?
0: Um, Godzilla was all right, I mean, he, he didn't blow my mind by any stretch. I'm I'm still more a fan of the Millennium Godzilla over this guy. Um, I just like the, how angry he looked, and obviously he's more colorful too. Mm-hmm. I understand this one's probably a little bit more realistic to a giant mutated lizard since it is just pretty much you know a f- one monochrome kind of look to him. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Um, the Atomic Breath looked fine, so I, I'm always down with that. Ghidorah, yeah, I had my problems with Ghidorah. I don't, I don't necessarily mind uh, that he lost his hair. As a man who shaved his head in the 90s, I'm totally on board with uh, that decision. Um, I agree with you on the horns, though. I, I don't like the kind of generic dragon horns that they put on him because the first time I saw him, he just looked like a basic, you know, Chinese dragon. And I'm like, that's that's not flattering, really, for Ghidorah. So, and then Mecha Mecha uh, Ghidorah, I completely hated. I hated just about everything about it. I didn't I didn't like the mechanical head. Um, I didn't like uh, the the sounds that he was making. I didn't like that the pilot had to be inside of the thing. I mean, what a terrible design choice. You're gonna get into a fight with Godzilla, and you're gonna like sit inside of Mecha Ghidorah. That's just stupid. Yeah, I mean and, you're, a, you're and a ty- more
4: to the more to the point, you're near the base of the neck. That's like, you know, that's like, you know, target A for his beam choice of attack.
1: I, I yep. just want to point out that in Japanese uh superhero shows that use giant robots, that's actually very common. Oh, giant robots, uh, that's one thing. I'm that's I, well, I'm saying in this particular situation where it's 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 a creature
0: that was once 100% organic. And now he's a cyborg, basically. He's basically cyborg Ghidorah. So you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have control over the mechanical parts of it. I'm trying to think
1: of another robot that's part organism, and where they had them loaded in. Uh, So in Evangelion, well, no, because in Evangelion they had them loaded in a tube that was kind of in the back, though it was still entered Mm -hmm. in the chest, uh, but because it was diagonal, it wasn't exactly all. It wasn't as close to like where the neck was.
0: Where the jugular would be, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I can't really yeah. think of any other one. I will say. Well, the thing
3: that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of a good it. way to put no, this. No, the aspect that I always thought about the why the organics still work and why they could still control them is because they could can, control the Ghidorah rats. You know what I mean? They had control of King Ghidorah before. Why couldn't they have control of the organic parts again?
1: Uh, well, that's not the problem he's saying. The problem is the position where the pilot was put.
3: Well his whole the whole body part was robotic.
1: Yeah, but they still located the human chamber where the human had to operate things at the front base of the neck, basically. Oh, I get what you He's saying he has a problem with that, like, because that is a poor choice to put some put a human being in a fight. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't like that, there's a few more I just, I just coming. don't like having the human on well, there
0: at all. I mean, why couldn't you control it remotely? I don't understand. Why risk um, a high-level pilot or, you know, whoever, someone who obviously, you know, is very skilled, why risk their life when you can just control it remotely just as easily
1: but there's not like. me but the problem been... with that argument is is there that most giant robots usually have a human or two inside them whether it's pacific rim yeah, or, or gundam yeah. wing or well, power could... rangers i'm saying it couldn't have been that high risk because she never changed into a flight suit she just wore her normal clothes for the battle well that's because <laughs> this movie had a poor costume designer
3: <laughs> agreed well spoiler alert that happens a lot in the Heisei series. Venom. <laughs> oh, I believe it.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I'll complain we'll, about it every time. We'll get into Okay, so let's move into, now that we've kind of talked about the monster suits and all that. Um, uh, okay, does anyone here actually like the change to Ghidorah's roar? Anyone?
3: No, that's that's my... Yeah, that's the only thing I don't like about it. I okay. wish she had like, the old school roar. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, let's let's go into the actual characters, because for a storyline that I absolutely hate, I dig all the characters. Uh, I actually, yeah, I don't mind them.
3: <laughs> yeah, like, I like the writer guy and I like, yeah. I like the whole yeah. thing that he has with Emmy and stuff, and I like the reveal that oh. It happens with. Oh, oh yeah, no, he, he almost
4: no. cockwalked himself into being his own
3: grandfather. Yeah, that was <laughs>
1: that was gross. That was, I don't want incest in my kaiju movies, well, okay?
3: Well, the whole aspect to, like, the girl that she worked for, I think that's actually one of going to be his, because, like, when she calls him on the phone, she's like, when are you going to marry me? I think that's actually another aspect of
4: that yeah, might be I got
3: Emmy's the, ancestor, no, too. The,
4: yeah, I got the feeling that she was more into the relation. she was further along in the develop in the relationship than he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was thinking marriage. He's thinking, "Okay, well I got to date her again."
1: So a blowjob job <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. She was beautiful though. His girlfriend was slash just boss, yeah. Slash boss was at, she was gorgeous. That was Mickey, mm-hmm. right? No, not Mickey. Mickey's, not Mickey. <laughs> Mickey's <laughs> no, the Mickey's psychic. The,
4: yeah, Mickey's the one that goes back in time with them.
1: Oh. Yeah, Mickey is the psychic who pops up and like Every haste besides the first okay. one. Yeah, besides 85, she's in, like, every single one of them.
3: So, Emmy? No, no. Emmy's, no
1: like his, comes back from the, from the future. I don't, no, know, his,
3: his, I don't think they actually name his uh, girlfriend. No, His girlfriend's
1: the one that oh, works okay. at the place and wears, like, the black pantsuit or skirt suit thing. She's
3: like, when are you going to uh, write he, your book?
4: No, remember the girl when he's looking up the incidents from the, from the 1970s in the stock room? It's uh-huh. the girl that's with him
1: then. That's his girlfriend.
3: Oh. Why
0: yeah. did I think that was Emmy? No, Emmy is the...
1: the chick that comes back from the right, right. future. Do I they think look like
3: right? might. Well. Mildly? Ca- kind of. <laughs> well, that kind of like makes I, sense, they... too, If when we find out the reveal of Emmy.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, if you haven't seen Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, then go back to the past and watch it because emmy reveals at the end spoiler she is somehow related to the writer guy who was our main protagonist right yeah Yeah. i got that uh so their relationship was real creepy at the end you're just kind of like because the whole movie you think that he uh, that the future chick emmy is going to stay in the past with him Uh, because she makes all my favorite thing in the past is you yeah, it's yeah, gross. Okay. That was disgustingly sugary. <laughs> yeah. Uh but either way, I liked all the characters. I really didn't have a problem with any of the characters um and this but one of the things I do want to talk about is this movie and its use of the past. And I don't mean the past as in just the past. I mean using past Godzilla stuff to shove into this movie. This movie like has stuff that is completely it rips off Ghidorah the three headed monster and invasion of the astro monster at the same time like it it takes huge chunky elements from those to put them in there Uh, and this movie is kind of like if you to describe this movie to you this movie is what happens when the 90s tries to make a 70s sci-fi movie it just comes off real cheesy whether it's the android, he's got two styles of running. He can run where he's basically rollerblading, uh, or he can run where it's that like. He's weird, speed jogging. The speed jogging, but like he's like mm-hmm. image forming behind himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is awful.
3: Yeah. Uh, that, 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 is, that, that didn't age well. I remember, didn't mind it as a kid, but yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, this movie doesn't age well. In any sense. Uh, It's a good effort. uh, But to me. It's lacking in almost every aspect. Uh, The costumes. While they look great. Don't look great in movement. Uh, While you get two. Major fight scenes. Both fight scenes are kind of mad to me. I don't really feel like. A lot happens in them. Uh, The one thing I'll give.
4: There's two. there's There's one scene that I like. In each fight for me, I like the the fight in the forest for Ghidra's new tactic of flying in close and then strangling him with his middle head. Yeah. I think that's I think that's an impressive tactic. I think it comes off nicely, and you know, it's a cool tactic because it's it looks kind of like, you know, a last stage effort, but something it would try to try to, like, overwhelm its enemy. You know, it's going to use its sheer size, you know, because it towers over Godzilla, and it's going to use his size to try to, you know, like smother his opponent and then you know on top of that he's choking you with his neck like i think that's an impressive tactic and i think it comes off well in the film and then in the, the 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 city fight the fact that it uses the surroundings you know you see it you know it'll push godzilla into buildings it'll like you know crumble the top part of skyscrapers on top of him you know it you know it uses the surroundings to its advantage you know it's not exactly new it's not a new tactic but it's just something that you know i kind of enjoy because you know you think about it you're trying to contain godzilla you're not trying to let the fight spread to tokyo because you're trying to save the city you're not you know you want to keep it in that general area so you're going to use your surroundings to your advantage and try to keep them there like pin them in that area yeah yeah so, you know, I, I mean, you know, if you're going to do a traditional fight and you're going to take up something like what you would see in like Godzilla Raids Again or, you know, like, you know, the film the next year afterwards in Mothra where you're going to have the fight take place throughout the entire city, you're going to end up raising most of the place to the ground that you're trying to save. And at this point, you know, we've sh- seen that Emmy's so, you know, like she's so crazy about your, about, her, about her homeland that she doesn't want to see it destroyed. So she's trying to save it and prevent it from being destroyed. So I, I think it's a nice little addition to the series. It's kind of like, you know, there's like a different tone to it. So I, I, I do like those kind of aspects about the fights.
3: Yeah. I, I Plus, I actually reference uh, the whole, like, you see, like, the good Mecha King Ghidorah POV shot from the air, like, when we mentioned when we did make a garris I actually mentioned that shot you know I actually do like that aspect of it even though like I don't know which head it's supposed to be with the POVs coming from but that's where that a lot of the like the flying POV shot shit comes from is this movie cuz I've never really seen them do it in like some of the older ones you know what I mean
4: yeah I mean, if, you know, they showed it in earlier, they showed it later where, you know, you have like the targeting screen set up so you know that she's seeing through the robot heads. Yeah. So maybe something like that, you know, just to like, you know, I mean, give like even more of an idea of what we're supposed to be seeing. Cause yeah, no, I'm like you. I didn't know which that was supposed to be. Is that just like a general look at the creature? Or is that like one of the live heads or what?
1: Yeah, I'd still just, the fights to me are too bland and boring. I just, like, to me, like, this is not the worst in the franchise, but it is the worst King Ghidorah movie to me. Um, I had King Ghidorah as the star. Gaigan doesn't count. Derek, I know you are about to say something. <laughs> uh, to me, this is the worst King Ghidorah movie. I don't know. <laughs> in, in all senses. I, it's, the story is com- muddled. and There are nice things they do try. Like, there is a... Uh, there is a message in this movie that you won't understand unless you're Japanese. I know this because I looked it up. Um, where there is, ta- like, from the Japanese point of view, there is a scene in this where Godzilla destroys a certain building that happens to be something the Japanese call the Tower of Tax because it was built by their taxes during the 80s. When they were Japan was in a huge bubble of economic prosperity and they looked at it and they see that as a representation of this over decadence. And part of the movie, the whole reason the time travelers come back is because they want to stop Japan from being an economic power that it eventually comes where it buys whole continents. It buys up Africa and South America. Like it it's, it's rising basically they want to stop it from getting too big for its britches because they want every country to be the same that's and the only reason emmy leaves them is because the way they want to do it is completely different than the way emmy thought they were going to do it because they were like no nah, fuck yeah. that we're going to destroy it and then rebuild it how we think it should be and emmy was like "Yo, i didn't agree to destroy everything and i'm just sitting there like emmy you're the one who released the Dorats." You're the one who created a giant monster. You could have taken over Japan with your fucking mothership laser guns, your laser gun that looks surprisingly like a stormtrooper's gun in Star Wars, by the way. And fucking highly advanced androids. Okay, you could have take you probably could have taken over most of Japan with that. Uh, I don't think you needed to create a monster to do that. So I'm just saying you're a little naive and or dumb if you thought bringing a monster to this was not going to mean things weren't going to get destroyed. Hell, part of the plan was to destroy a few cities before going to Tokyo, and you were okay with that until they were like, now we're going to destroy Tokyo. You're not a very good person. Your your jetpack's cute, though, so I'll give you that.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> the noise it
3: made.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, like, to to me, for every good thing I can point out in this movie, I can go on a huge rant about something in the same category of why this movie's worse. And there's shot, even like my favorite sh- scene in the movie, uh, where Mr. Shindo dies. I don't like Godzilla blinking. It does not look real. Like Godzilla blinking looked terrible. Um,
0: the first time I saw it, I actually was okay with it because I've always, one of my biggest pet peeves with kaiju costumes is the lifeless eyes. And the first time I saw him blink, I'm like, Hey, look at that. There's actually some life in those eyes. I totally see what you're saying because it looks awful, but it just was different
1: enough that it brought a
0: smile to my face.
1: Fair enough. And it's just like, um, At the, when Godzilla and Ghidorah fall into the water before they remake, or was it, when they fall into the water, when King Ghidorah, Mecha King Ghidorah uses his, uh, bondage equipment, (laughs) uh, that looks excellent. Them underwater looked actually really good in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are scenes in this movie I really like, and I do recommend watching this movie, but I think it's me in general, I don't like the Heisei era. Um to me for some reason those movies just don't look right. They're like in the Showa era, every when it's campy and bad looking, you just kind of go that's the time. But in the 90s they try to go for this like realism and I'm like you spent so much of your budget trying to do special effects outside of your kaiju that it ended up hurting your kaiju. Uh, yeah. They tried to make us care about the human story in this movie, which is fine. Almost every good kaiju movie has a good human story. But they just went too far. It became too convoluted, and it just didn't work, and I think it hurt over... This movie is an example of trying way too hard after a failure. Even though most people love Godzilla vs. Biollante, in Toho Highs, it was looked at as a, as a failure. Um, and this is them... Bouncy back and trying way too hard. And I think in the next movie in the Heisei area, uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Battle for the Earth, they kind of realize it, but they also once again go, what other kind of movie trope can we do? Sci-fi, sci-fi time travel didn't work. What if we copy Indiana Jones in adventure movies? Like, the 90s is just them trying a lot of weird things. And most of it not working. I don't. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, is anyone here about to tell me the Heisei era is their favorite era of Godzilla movies? No. (laughs) Uh,
4: There's a few I like, but I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's the best or it's, you know, filled with awesome classics because I like a few. I like bits and pieces from other films and there's a few that I I actually like but I'll be honest I think the Millennium
1: series is far better than this I I agree with you completely Um, so I'm just not a big fan of the Heisei era so yeah when we do Heisei movies you might not like me uh, audience because I come down a little hard on them and (laughs) it's all good man (laughs) if we haven't left the call
4: by now you're fine man (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah sure if they're still listening after my rant about time travel there's I'd not be, much I'd that's leave, gonna take them i
3: didn't leave, them out. leave the call so i'm okay and we're still <laughs> here
1: man you're fine
3: yeah
1: uh i just
4: ugh, fucking
1: it's time your travel. opinion man it's, it happens it's my yeah. opinion and i'm allowed to be wrong but personally
3: damn it. i i no. it's your opinion and it. as,
4: it's your opinion and as long as you can say what it's as long as you can state it and defend it you're good i, I don't actually care
3: what it, yeah Yeah, I grew up with the Heisei movies, so I I like them. I I can say, like, I have a lot of memories and nostalgia for them because I grew up with them. You know what I mean? I I watched the 70s ones, too, but these ones were on TV more often for me, and I had all the DVDs.
1: For me, I'm way more closer to the Showa movies because... 90% 90% of the Heisei series did not come to America until 98. Uh, besides Godzilla 1985, they, none of them showed up um, until 98.
4: Yeah, that's right about when I first started seeing them. And
1: yeah. I yeah, had was... already been deep in the show era as a kid watching Godzilla movies. So by the time I started watching these it wasn't that long before I actually went and saw Godzilla 2000 in theaters. Yeah. Same here.
3: Yep, yeah, yeah I saw her too, man.
1: So see, I grew up, I grew up in the '80s watching this. So
0: for the most part, uh, it was the '70s Godzilla movies that I was seeing on TV, mostly.
3: Yeah, I seen like I said, I seen them too. But I grew up with these ones too. And plus, after '98 and shit when that came out, I'm like. Let's just say this is better than Godzilla 98 right now. (laughs) Oh, and in (laughs)
1: case anyone's wondering, no, I will not be reviewing 98 unless someone's going to pay me a large sum of money. Send Uh, it on
4: Patreon. A video of me taking a shit is
1: better than 98. I agree. I would rather watch Don and Ellie eat some kind of weird Italian food I can't pronounce and or spell while taking a shit while fucking... Bill is interrupting him every five seconds. uh, (laughs) Then watch Godzilla 98. Okay. It's awful. And it could be the weird bill that has long hair and got castrated in that one movie. (laughs) Check out horror mafia. If you would like to understand anything of what I just said. Um, Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm just, this is a movie that I know a lot of people love. I just don't get it. Um, And that happens to me a lot with Heisei movies. Um, Because even my favorite of the Heisei movies is really boring. Um,
3: I'm very curious which one that is.
1: Yeah, (laughs) It's Space Godzilla. I love Space Godzilla. I love love the way Space Godzilla looks. That movie is boring. Hmm. We'll
4: we'll get to that when we cover it.
3: Yeah, we'll get to that one too. Because, yeah, (laughs) we'll talk about that one.
4: We'll get to that when we cover it.
3: That will be the one movie
1: that I have to like defend in shame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go yeah, to the front, so, of,
4: put your dunce cl- dunce hat on, and go to the front of the class.
1: For real, uh, <laughs> it's mostly because I think the design for Space Godzilla is just fucking wicked.
3: That's probably so the one good. positive I have. Of.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, the movie's goddamn boring. Uh, I'm not a fan, and so in the Hey here, I'm not a fan of a lot of the storylines they attempt. Uh, I, I think most people would agree the top three from the Heisei series involves uh, the return of Godzilla, uh, either the in- international version or the Japanese version, not the American version. No. Um, <laughs> or if for some reason, people fucking love Godzilla versus Biollante. Like it's or some right elevated kaiju movie. Right over here. Exactly. Right over here. Uh, and then obviously... To me, what is the best of all the Heisei Godzilla movies? Godzilla versus Destroya. Yep. Yeah, that's that my... I is...
4: defend oh, yeah. I defend by, I defend by Alani, but yeah, no, I agree. Destroyer is the one that keeps on raising for me.
1: Yep. Yeah. Biolante yeah. is one I've never been able to get behind. Um so I'm excited for when we actually review it because I want to see what I'm gonna think. But either way
3: But let's just say this the best Heisei era kaiju movies don't involve Godzilla.
1: Oh,
4: wow. no, I, I, I'll i support that 2,000%. <laughs>
1: Wait. You, you are we talking um, about the Rebirth of Mothra series or are we talking about the Gamma series? Because the Gamma is- trilogy I can get behind. That's so the Rebirth sorry, of Mothra I can't. Gamera, the Gamma trilogy. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, those I can get behind 100%. I like the
3: Mothras, but they're more towards kids. We'll get into those. Uh, get I like to the-, the
1: third one. The first one's awful.
3: Um, I uh, part 3 kind of Indiana jones but we'll get into it. When yeah. we, Either we'll way, okay.
1: Up. Does anyone have anything they want to say about Godzilla versus King Ghidorah that they did not get to say? Don?
4: Um, I can't remember anything, so I guess not. Okay, Derek?
3: I say check it out. Like said it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but if you have a bunch of kids that You want to get into the kaiju. It's a little fun popcorn movie. And if you don't mind time travel... I don't mind time travel. I grew up with a lot of time travel movies. Some bad, some good. I I actually like some of them, you know. And this one, it's kind of Terminator-ish. But I did kind of like some special effects in it. Besides M11, like Mr. Venom said. But the one major thing you could take away from King Ghidorah 90s version... Characters are memorable, so you'll have an okay time with some of the character development and just following the characters around. So, yeah, check that out. All right,
1: Mr. Venom.
0: This is the first Godzilla movie where I kind of liken Godzilla to Jason Voorhees in the sense that at the very end of the movie, both Ghidorah and Godzilla are, you know, lying as we assume dead at the bottom of the ocean and then of course godzilla starts twitching and then finally gets up and he, he, even this week watching it, i said yep this is where he became jason
3: <laughs> wow i was um, i was waiting for alice cooper to play after that scene huh?
1: oh god <laughs> uh no godzilla when it comes to rock music they prefer the talents of some 41
3: or blue, blue oyster cult
1: well no yeah. I was talking about strictly toho they they oh. prefer some 41
3: Yeah,
1: that's true. Uh, And for me, look, I don't like time travel. uh, So I'm not the best person to listen to when it comes to judging this movie. And if you feel I was too harsh on this movie, I agree with you. It's just because I don't like time travel. So maybe take the other guy's opinions on this movie over mine. Um, I, I don't blame you. If you don't like time travel... You're probably not going to like this movie. But if you want to see what happens when the 90s tries to make a 70s sci-fi movie using elements of movies it's already made, this might be for you. It's fun to kind of watch it and and notice all the references to uh, Close Encounters of the Third uh, Kind, uh, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Terminator, Star Wars, um, E.T., Um, there are so many references in this movie you can catch. And if you want to look at this and read more of it on what the meaning is behind of it, there is actually a really deep meaning going in with Japan's economic power. Um, But it's just hard to understand from an American's point of view because it's very, it's a very Japanese thing. So there is depth to this movie. There is things to like in this movie. There are some wonderful shots Overall, though, it's one that I do have to pass on. I do not recommend making what Derek said. Don't make this your kid's first Godzilla movie uh, at all. Don't make this no, in the no. first five. No. Uh, Derek lost his hair from radiation from when he was three. Derek's turned into one after he was left, left on Lagos Island. Uh, he's not all there sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so don't listen to him on that one. Aww. Every other thing he said in this episode, listen to completely. Way more than what I said. Except for that one thing. (laughs) If you want your kid to like a Godzilla movie, make them watch Godzilla Final Wars. That is the easiest movie to make anyone watch if they like action or the Matrix or just a bunch of monsters or kung fu. That's the one to watch. Also, big white guy with a mustache and... I was going to say
3: sea monster (laughs) because... I don't know. There's not a lot of kaiju shit in Final Wars either, too, though. But
1: but, but with the human side of the story, it does it's, involve a lot of action, and that will get kids into it. Not my nephew. <laughs> I don't know your nephew. Maybe me and your nephew are going to meet up, and I'm going to beat him up, take his juice box, and make him watch Godzilla Final Wars. Oh, terrible. I know. I'm a <laughs> terrible person. Uh, you are. <laughs> Okay, so that's it for Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah from 1991. Next, we move on to the Ultraman Report. All right, so with the Ultraman Report this time, I am not going to host it. In fact, I'm passing it off to Derek. Derek, it's all yours, man. Take the reins.
3: All right, Ultraman Report time. Episode 6, The Coast Guard Command or The Coast Guard Order. It depends on which version you watch. I'll say both titles. Uh... Which originally aired on August twenty first, nineteen sixty six. Very interesting starting this one out because uh, if you know, if you guys knew going in about the Ultraman show when it came to us, they edited a lot of stuff out. So I was kind of confused, and I thought my player was fucked up. What about you guys?
4: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I kind of had that same feeling because it's just you know a hard cut into the Japanese. It's like. Wait, I I didn't I switch over to the English subs? Why you know, did I make a mistake or
0: Yeah, it got me. I ended
1: up watching the intro like three times.
3: <laughs> yeah, me too, man, I hear you there.
1: <laughs> I am uh, one of the very few lucky people who knew ahead of time, um, from different Godzilla forums that the whatever was cut out of the American episodes were re put in for this D V D release. Um and I know, and it, it's probably, I don't own the, like, cheap Mill Creek version. I own the the more expanded version. So, like, the first print. So, I, I knew it was coming, but I could see <laughs> if I had not known, I would be confused as shit.
3: Yeah. Mm. But anyways, then we get the classy Ultraman intro. Then we jump right into the story where we see the Science control sitting around Learn some new reports. We've got Fuji talking about a large shark that was reportedly killed. It was, I believe, in the actual episode, they said it was like 65 meters long.
1: Yeah, it's a fucking meg. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, so there's megalodons in these oceans, which kind of makes sense since there's kaiju also. So it doesn't surprise me, you know. But yeah, the way that this shark was killed, Arashi, of course. Says it's a boat hit it, but then it says it's bite marks. Fuji claims that there's bite marks on the shark, so it wasn't a boat oh, or shark. What was it? It wasn't a boating going?
1: accident. <laughs>
3: you know? <laughs> what kind of boat would kill a megalodon, anyways? Was it like an oil
2: liner?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, then we get news happening with. Hayata's thinking something's up with this creature's death. And, of course, Fuji then confirms Hoshino's in the same area where this attack happened, which is Yokohama. Then we enter Yokohama, which is like this pier ocean area. And we (laughs) introduce Hoshino and two of his friends. uh, Looking at the sights, they're very intrigued by a ship loading cocoa beans because they love chocolate, what kid doesn't. Of course, then, when they're peeking with their binoculars, one of Hoshino's friends sees a peculiar-looking thing in the water. No one else sees it, so they're like, You're seeing things, dog. But Hoshino uh, spots two gentlemen that look familiar to him. He's like, I think I've seen these guys before. So let's follow them and see where they go. They follow him, one of his friends. And up losing his shoe. And then, of course, (laughs) the girl's like, it's some goofy, like, kaiju kid shit that happens here. So they end up losing the uh, two guys Hoshino thinks that he sees, so he ends up calling the Shines Patrol up. And inside the phone booth, there's actually, ironically, an image of one of the characters that Hoshino's seen, and it is the diamond smuggler known as Diamond Kick
1: greatest name ever (laughs) greatest name today no ever this is when i become a video game character that is going my name is going to be diamond kick it sounds like it sounds like the unfilmed sean connery james bond movie james bond (laughs) in diamond kick
3: imagine a theme song to that one
1: diamond (laughs) kick
0: if you're if you're like a like a badass Muay Thai fighter with like I don't know adamantium legs and you can kick through buildings, then I'm okay with diamond kick.
3: Oh, Otherwise, that, I can't. You know I what? Can't,
1: I can't agree. That's so crazy because I actually am. <laughs> ah, all right then, that's <laughs>
3: accepted. All right, so craziness there, but moving on. So Oshino ends up phoning the science patrol in. And the English dub it gets kind of loosey goosey with the translation because, as we see, uh, they mention the monster and uh, the, start, uh, the captain laughs it off like, ha, 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 "There's no monster." But of course, when you watch this and you're like,
4: "They've been doing that for the last five weeks. Why the hell are you lapping off the report of a monster?"
3: You know. Yeah. But, uh, Jerry brought an interesting point uh, off air. Jerry, you want
1: to mention oh, that? yeah, so, whenever they do the episodes where they have a lot of the Japanese clips in, I'll usually leave the English subtitles on the entire time, which I don't normally mm. do, because it's such a vast difference in what's being said, but what's funny is, it, like, in the English version, they're laughing at him talking about a monster like it's not real, as Don just pointed out, that's what they've been doing, but in the uh, subtitles, For the Japanese version, it's actually Hoshino talking about Diamond Kick uh, and him spotting him. And they don't believe him that he saw a diamond smuggler named Diamond Kick. And they're laughing it off. and, And so it's actually so in the Japanese version, it works really well. In the English version, it makes you go, Really? That's like Velma not believing Shaggy about seeing a ghost. Or Shaggy or Scooby not
4: believing Shaggy,
3: or Gozuki <laughs> not believing in his, his body length. <laughs> Spoiler coming up soon.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, that's funny. Yeah, but anyways, what ends up happening in the English dub version? Uh, Diamond Kick gets the intro, so they end up leading the patrol out there to see what's going on. As this goes on, they're still kind of searching for Diamond Kick, you know. Uh, they end up running to this old fisherman who over here is like Hoshino's friend talking about a monster and he's like, oh, it has to be Gazora, the mon- local lizard from Brazil that likes to eat insects that protect cocoa beans pretty much. So, as he's telling this story smoking on his little pipe there, what ends up happening? The monster, Gasora ends up jumping out of the ocean and attacks a giant ship filled with cocoa beans and all hell breaks loose. Uh, While this is going on, Hoshino and his friends end up running into a warehouse uh, and they end up running into our infamous Diamond Kick. Diamond Kick. Where him and his uh, buddy there are searching through 10,000 bags of cocoa beans just to find a shipment of diamonds. Not really great in thinking of his plan through. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, one of the friends ends up making a noise and Diamond Kick and his buddy there end up capturing said kids. holding a hostage situation now. You can't see my face. You've seen Diamond Kick's face. Like he's <laughs> some fucking important person or something. <laughs> His
1: name is Diamond Kick. Of course, he's an important person.
3: I hear you, I hear you there, man. But the science patrol ends up coming over, uh, talk to the locals. They search like uh, the warehouses and stuff first, and they kind of find hints that maybe Hoshino was there. And they also find the smuggle of diamonds. So they end up patrolling, and they also make a plan to capture Gasora and unbeknownst to them, they end up in the same area where Hoshino and his friends are being held by diamond kick. Not very good hiding spot. If you're going to hide in the same pier, I'm just saying, <laughs> but yeah, Hoshino and his friends get away. Of course they and chased by this and that. And unbeknownst Gasora ends up coming right in the way of where diamond kick is being held. Uh, as we learn uh, through a line of dialogue that kind of skipped over a certain part, Yasoro uh, is not a really big fan of high pitched noises, so that's why they were kind of hesitant to use the guns, the science patrol. But not Diamond kicking his buddy, because they end up shooting at the monster, pissing him off, flipping out, and he starts tearing the warehouse out. Hoshino oh, and his friends, I believe, end up getting out in time. Uh, Hayata ends up going inside to, uh, said warehouse to try to find our baddies. Uh, and this is a very interesting aspect of it. Of course, Hayata ends up getting like trapped in like some debris and he's trying to clinch for the beta capsule. As this is going on, the rest of the science patrol end up driving off into the distance and they're like, Oh my God, we left Hayata." So
1: Who's Tyada? I said hiata, man. It sounded like Tayata. I was like, did Hayata have a hot sister I didn't know about?
3: Imagine.
1: That'd be amazing. I'm trying to imagine.
3: Yeah, so what they end up thinking is Hayata's in danger and he might be dead. So you see the rest of the science patrol be like, it's time to use our weapons finally, which really don't have no effect. They never do in these episodes. <laughs> you know, but... Of course, Hayater, just in time, ends up grabbing the beta capsule, of course, pressing the special button and transforming into Ultraman, which means it's time to head over to Dawn for the Ultraman fight. Dawn, take it away, buddy.
4: Alrighty, righty. With Gizara about to step on the car with everyone inside, Ultraman removes the car and places it alongside a building away from danger where it drives off. Gizera attacks from behind and slams Ultraman into the rubble from the demolished warehouse as the police car arrives safely at the end of the dock. With everyone watching, Ultraman squares off and flips Gizera into another pile of rubble, but it quickly gets back to its feet and the two begin grappling for position. A kick to Gizera's face sends it onto its back when Hoshino notices the color timer is starting to blink, causing Ultraman to back away from the advancing Gizera. As several wild grabs for the tentacles on its head miss, and the color timer begins blinking furiously, an onslaught of support from the kids nearby causes Ultraman to take flight and recharge, coming back and squaring off with Gizra once again. Gizra backs him close to the water's edge, and a last charge sends both into the local bay, with Ultraman and Gizra continuing to fight. Ultraman lands several chops to Gizra's back and tries to roll it into position to remove the fable tentacles. Once he de- manages to do so, a friend of slips beneath the waves, never to return.
3: Yeah, so that ends up happening. Thank you, Don, for that awesome fight detail. Mm-hmm. So, what ends up happening, of course, after the great epic fight, Ultraman deplots with his schwa. You know, his flying capabilities, flies off. And Hayata, miraculously, after they mourn him because they think He passed on. We see Hayata in the distance holding our two great smugglers, Diamond Kick and his buddy. Diamond Uh, Kick. Apprehend him, of course. Diamond Kick. Of course, they apprehend him. And then back at HQ, since the kids did a good job in solving the mysteries and solving the crimes, they're awarded with special chocolate. The (laughs) end. (laughs) <laughs> was it special chocolate so,
0: or just chocolate?
3: It's always special you know, when you know, I give it. Uh, oh, that was, I just said special because it came on like this fancy plate and shit. So, yeah. you know, I, it was, so
4: it's,
0: like, it's all about I presentation.
3: Talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Which I'm
4: kind of surprised yeah, that, that's... you know, after all of that, they didn't recoil in fear from the sight of it. lest like, <laughs> you know, Geezer is going to come back again. <laughs> you see them <laughs> taking off around the... <laughs>
0: he can smell
3: our chocolate yeah, run <laughs> so yeah. uh, what do you guys think about Gizzer's look
1: uh ick uh <laughs> not a fan I noticed the first time uh he fully came out of the water you could actually see that it was that he didn't have his gloves on so you could see the yeah. actor's he- human hands um, yeah. <laughs> like, and I know Ultraman costumes are usually made on the pretty cheap and everything. Wear your damn gloves. What are you half-assing this for? Get yeah, out yeah. of here. Uh, now, uh, you had a great way of describing, uh, him, Derek. What was that again?
3: Oh, like, he was, like, a dragon, had sex with, like, Snookums from the Muppets, but wearing, like, Sir mix Michelot- Mixalot's jacket. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, I yeah um well there's actually a... a you know what I was saying, there's actually kind of a funny story about you know with you choosing Gregon. The, the uh costume for geyser is actually a reused costume from um, one of the few ultra q episodes i've seen uh it's a creature that they called peter in the episode he was a uh, mythical crocodile that granted wishes to his owner but over time he got like fed up with what his owner was wishing and he wanted to leave him in peace. Uh, I don't remember like much else about it because it's been a while since I've seen that episode, but it's basically they took that costume, sliced the scales off of Raygon and glued it to the back of the costume and said, go fight Ultraman now. (laughs) So uh, yeah, you choosing Raygon is kind of, uh far more apt than you think
3: <laughs> yeah man i hear you there you could really tell like they really like just took like raygon's skin and glued it on even his lips <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> you know but yeah. uh I, overall yeah what
1: were you gonna say i liked the episode though in general like i thought it was a de- it was different than most of the episodes um and I thought it was interesting that uh, it was Hoshino and the kids saying, hey, look what we found, and then the science patrol being like, nah, you lying. And then yeah. them having to admit they're wrong and then give them chocolate.
3: I think like, <laughs> the sudden of this one really benefits from it, too, because it's at that water setting. Yeah. So. Oh, and
1: yeah, I, yeah
4: that warehouse destri- set that he destroys, that is magnificent.
3: Yeah
1: yeah i also want to definitely. say that the uh movie uh all monsters attack from the godzilla franchise definitely uh took some cues from this episode
3: yeah. <laughs> definitely <Yeah.
4: laughs> i mean some of those shots of hoshino and his friends squaring off against the crooks i mean those things are like apes shot for shot and you know you see ichiro running around the complex with the, from the robbers they're like identical
1: yeah the next time someone's like hey jerry you want to watch all monsters attack i'm like nope but i'll watch episode 6 of Ultraman. the good yeah,
3: version. yeah it's way better yeah the way better the version. version. <laughs>
1: the, the good
4: version of that storyline
3: yeah. yeah overall i had fun with the episode too so yeah. you guys wanna we'll get into some final thoughts on the episode let's start with you uh mr venom what did you think about this episode did you recommend um, it I like the general
0: storyline. I wish they would have actually shown uh, Gisora actually eating the cocoa beans. It it just seemed like he wanted to destroy boats and buildings that had cocoa beans in there. At at least to my knowledge, I don't remember him actually like noshing down on a big old pile of them. So, I mean, that would have that would have at least put a little exclamation point. But didn't
1: they say he didn't eat cocoa beans? He ate like insects that eat cocoa beans? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, well, he, he was yeah, just trying not, to get to the cocoa beans so he could find the food that he eats. But for some reason, yeah. which they don't explain, he grew exponentially. That's true, too. Yeah. True well, then yeah. give me a scene of him eating bugs, something. I, I need yeah. my
0: visual stimulation. You know, I I learn visually and it's the same thing with movies and television. I'll remember things if it's visualized more than if it's just a line or two of dialogue, you know? Um, that's just the kind of viewer I've, I've always been, I've always been, you know, more visual than anything else, but for whatever it's worth, I, I like the basic premise of this episode. I do not like the, uh, costume for Gasora. Um, you know, it, we, it's already been described a couple of times. I mean, we could sit here for a half hour giving our funny descriptions of this costume. It just doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier before we went on air that, He looks like he has cancerous dingleberries at the base of his tail. And every time they showed him from behind, I couldn't I couldn't not look at it. It's like my eyes were just drawn to them and
1: which was just grossing me out and horrifying me all at once. He looked like uh, that rainbow fish from that children's book. If it had like done a shit ton of crack and started blowing lizards for crack money. I'll go with that. And he had a
3: prolapse. Yeah, I can go with that too, man. So, what about you, Don?
4: Um, yeah, I like this a lot as well. Um, Jerry actually brought up one of my uh, complaints is that they never explain how Geezer got to his size. Uh, I, You know, that's some, something that I would have liked to explain. You know, how did the story the fisherman says, tells is that he's a regular lizard that feeds on the insects that eat the chocolate. But there's no explanation for why it's this kaiju-sized being. So, I think, you know, that's a little something there. I think the fight's kind of wonky. You know, it's just them tussing rumbling around in the rubble for a lot of it. You know, I mean, you know, something that we never really mentioned. There's no big special effects in here. There's no explosions. Ultraman doesn't use his ray beam. The, you know... It's just kind of like one of those where it's kind of like simple, but I like the rest of the special effects. Like I said, the set that they use to fight in is really good. The destruction of the warehouse is spectacular, and you know, there's a lot of of composite shots in the film. You know, there's a scene of uh, geezer appearing over the warehouse as the science patrol flees to get out of its way when it first appears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not, you know, my favorite of the six we've covered so far, but it's not my least favorite either. It's kind of one of those, I think positively enough about it. But then there's like, as soon as I start thinking of it, there's like, oh, yeah, well, what about this or what about that? And okay. it kind of just like, you know, draws it down just a touch. But yeah, it's a good episode. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of fast paced. You know, you you get right in on everything. There's like no real downtime to at all. And, uh,
3: Fair enough. You know, yeah, Fair it's the, yeah,
4: it's Yeah, a serviceable chil- half-hour of children's television.
3: Fair enough, man. How about you, Mr. Heron?
1: Uh, I definitely give this a diamond kick out of five. Uh, <laughs> even though it's lacking on special effects and monster suit and fights and storyline and I have to be around children and... Barely any science patrol mystery. Uh, I get Diamond Kick, and that's enough for me. Because I now know the <laughs> name Diamond Kick, and I just love saying it. It's just the greatest. It's I Diamond Kick you. <laughs> oh, so
3: we meet again, Diamond Kick.
1: It's just fantastic. Like, how can you not oh love that God. name?
3: Uh, it, it's epic. It is epic, yeah. man.
1: I just love it. So, while it's a pretty weak episode, it's not the weakest we've had, and at least I get Diamond Kick. Diamond Kick.
3: (laughs) terrible. I agree, man. Like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. I think the setting really set the tone for this one for me, like I said before. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on within it, even though there's not a lot of kaiju action per se. At least the human stuff is okay, and it gets the job done for what it is. And it's done a lot better than all monsters attack. So that's a plus.
4: Uh, What's an exactly setting a high bar there.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: yeah. I, got, I just
1: want to know out of all the Toho Godzilla movies, does anyone think there is a worse movie in the franchise than all monsters attack?
2: Nope. No, <laughs>
1: mm, nope. probably not. I was just wondering if it was just me and I know there's some people that love that movie. And I don't talk to those people. I, I
4: love <laughs> the idea behind it, but uh, that's all the credit I'll give it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keeping, the, keeping the good Godzilla costume, okay, that's another point in its favor, but yeah, that's all the credit I'll give it.
2: Yeah. The, de-
4: the, good decision of, the good decision in using the good Godzilla costume, and I'll give it credit for the concept, but uh, that's all I'll give it.
1: Yeah, out of the two yeah. uh, Manila movies from the show series are the two big ones you have uh for American titles, son of Godzilla and Godzilla's revenge. Uh, All monsters attack is Godzilla's revenge. I know there's people that like Godzilla's revenge over son of Godzilla. And those people are drunker than King Kong and Godzilla versus King Kong. Cause they're fucking <laughs> old. like, no, at least son of Godzilla has an entertaining human storyline and one smoking hot chicken it.
4: <laughs> uh, there's a lot um, more
3: no, to it but no.
4: i i will defend yeah. that one a lot i'll defend that one a lot more than i than you think i would
1: oh i can't uh, wait till we do that it actually
3: day. has scenes actual scenes yeah that's true <laughs>
1: well all right guys that was our yeah, episode of ultraman thank you derek for taking charge on that one we're gonna mix that up and Give it and let everyone kind of rotate on doing an Ultraman episode. And after we've all done it, you can all tell us uh, who you want to do it, or we won't listen to you and we'll just keep rotating it because I don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> uh, let us know what you think of Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Let us know who you agree with, what you think of time travel in the movie. Who do you side on for the time travel debate Don and I were having there? Um, and thank you for watching, watching, listening. Well, if you're on YouTube, watching, listening, whatever you're doing, I don't care what you think. Uh, this is our Visions from Monsterland. Keep an eye out next month for episode seven, and keep an eye out for some brand new commentaries for the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon series. Uh, Derek and Don and I knocked out two episodes you'll have two episodes coming those will actually if all goes right will be in the video format and they will actually be on youtube if youtube doesn't bitch me out for it i'm hoping that they let me do it because they let me do it with the real ghostbusters we'll see uh anyway though we are out of here make sure you check out all of us on our own podcast we'll quickly go through those i jerry do kill the cast
3: Derek, what do you do? Cinema Attack and all its like sideshows. We actually have a, another sideshow coming out in the secret. It's a little secret-secret right now, but of course episode 20 will be recorded next week. So it's coming in the upcoming weeks. Very excited to be recording with the guys again.
1: If you PayPal me $5, I'll tell you what the secret is.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you paid if you PayPal me 15, I'll tell you that there's a
4: secret podcast that Derek's gonna do.
1: <laughs> Why would they pay you more when I when I'm asking for less? I'm making Cause... a joke. <laughs> I need the money. I need the money. He
3: does. He's to buy the Godzilla versus Biollante.
1: <laughs>
4: I need the money for that. Blu-ray.
1: Oh my guys, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we before we continue. Donna Nelly. <laughs> told us a story that last week he passed up buying the Godzilla vs. Biollante Blu-ray for $15. And keep in mind, this is an out-of-print Blu-ray that goes for, at at minimum, usually around $50 so that he could buy... I'm sorry, what was it again, Don?
4: Flesh for the Beast.
1: Flesh for the Beast media mix which you can literally get on eBay for like $8 all day, every day. So shame him. So he feels so bad for not doing that. Uh, and Cortez, what podcast do you do? I know you got like 20 of them. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I got the horror cast. Uh, my,
0: my latest podcast is Beneath the Zenith, which I do with a couple of Donna Nelly's compadres from his horror mafia podcast. Uh, You can also hear myself and Mike Merriman on the Evil Episodes Presents Just the Movies and the Theme Warriors podcast. And actually, there's a third one. You can hear Mike and myself on Rad Radio, the all-80s podcast. And then I have a, (laughs) just like Mr. Derek, I got a super secret podcast coming up that I can't talk about yet because plans haven't been finalized. But in the next, I don't know, I'd say two to three months, I should have an announcement on that one.
1: Nice. Uh, that sounds great. Don and Nelly, where can they find you at? All right.
4: Uh, I am doing the Horror Mafia with uh, several of Jerry's co-hosts from Beneath the Zenith. Uh, we are approaching episode 50, which uh, should be a fun surprise. We've got uh, listener questions. We've got topics of discussion. We've got Sopranos and... We're gonna have a special surprise that uh, you're just gonna have to wait and find out what it's gonna be. But uh, it's
1: gonna be a it's gonna be a real blast if you know what I mean. I hope it's cake. They're actually putting firecrackers inside of a duck's anus. That's why it's a blast.
0: Well, that's only a surprise <laughs> for the duck.
1: <laughs> well, it, what they really don't tell you is that you're blindfolded. So. Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing that one in a couple days uh, from the time you hear this. So, yeah, we're going to be starting uh, the March 200. So,
1: yeah, well, there uh, we go. Uh, and nice. the next Kill the Cast episode, the, well, the next big episode, uh, Derek will actually be joining me because Good we up. are continuing our Horror Coliseum, Freddy vs. Jason with Friday the 13th Part 3 versus A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors. So Mm -hmm. check that out, because you never know who's going to win, because Episode 2 was a shocker. Yes, it was. Oh my god. Did not see that coming anyway. And actually, Episode 1 was a little
0: surprising to me, in all honesty.
1: It wasn't to me. Nightmare on Elm Street's a terrible movie. I don't know why you people like it. (laughs)
0: Oh, I don't. No, no.
1: I am uh, I myself am a Friday the
0: 13th guy, which you'll learn when you get to uh, the Horror Coliseum episode six. But um, I, I've just always for some reason, I've always thought that Nightmare on Elm Street was
1: held to a higher regard than the original Friday because there's no Jason. Uh, so. I, I think it was. But I think there are now people that are willing to come out and say, look, Nightmare on Elm Street's not that good. There, people like me. <laughs> Uh, you have people like Duncan from the podcast under the stairs willing to come out and say it now. And you've got people like Kenneth who are willing to listen to people like me and actually see where we're coming from. And while he doesn't hate the movie, he came down on his scores because of things I've said about the movie previously. So,
4: <laughs> And you can be like me and say that the Bollywood remake is better than the entire
1: franchise, but... I uh, maybe better than most of the franchise but probably not better than part 2. Cuz the Nightmare on Elm Street part 2 what I said most of the franchise is yeah. <laughs> is the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I don't care well, what you says will fight. That's what I it.
4: said it's better than most of the franchise. I just had to point it out.
1: But
0: uh, <laughs> what's the name of that one? It's like McCall or something? Macall McCall. No. Yeah, McCall. Ma-ha-call. 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 Thank you.
4: No, Mahakal. call. All right. Yeah.
0: Mahakara. Because I've I've heard stories of this thing for years and I've I've not experienced it, so I, oh, I gotta God. I gotta do some homework.
4: Yeah, uh, Mahakal. It's M-A-H-A-K-A-A-L. I
1: right. I really should be ending this, but if you could make a Bollywood remake of a movie, just to see what would happen, what would you do? I want a Bollywood remake of Surf Ninjas. Hmm.
4: I want to see a Bollywood remake of King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh my God.
1: God. <laughs> you see I don't want to see Godzilla romantically dancing with King Kong. Ooh.
3: I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my <laughs> choice would be a Bollywood
0: humanoids from the deep. Oh, jeez. Oh my fish God. Fish rape. I Lots mean, of uh... fish
3: rape.
1: A lot of fish <laughs>
3: rape while singing. Mm. <laughs>
1: There's a fish dick in
4: my ass. I've got to uh... run away.
3: I don't know. I would probably like see a Bollywood remake of the Green Slime. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all, you know, right, all right, Lost Boys. <laughs>
1: I got, I got, I got. A, I could actually see a Bollywood remake of the Lost Boys. That could actually be real. Kinda, yeah. Uh, all right, I got to cut it. That's it for us, guys. Thank you for joining us on these Visions from Monsterlands. We will see you next month, and we actually already have our movie picked out. So join us. As we do Toho's The H-Man, we're we're going to dive into the science fiction part of this podcast. Um, so let us know what you thought about this episode, and we will be visiting your ears later on next month.
3: And be careful of those cocoa beans.